Welcome to Marginalia Pod, where we treat reading as a sacred practice and find meaning and connections through our favourite books. I would like to begin by acknowledging the Kurungai and Daruk people, traditional custodians of the land where I am recording today, and pay my respects to their elders past and present. I'd also like to acknowledge Tangara Whenua of Tifanganuyatara, where I'm recording today. It's the spooky season! It is! Halloween tomorrow. That means... Candy! You've got some Milky Ways. I've got a Milky Way. I love them, and I never eat them except for this time of year when they come in fun size. Tiny packages. Delightful. Mm. Yes, um, so I bought Mars bars as well, and my husband came in and informed me that there would be no Mars bars in the candy bowl for the trick-or-treaters, just in case I wasn't clear about that. They were not leaving the house. <laughs> they, they were not allowed to leave. Do you get lots of trick-or-treaters at your house? We didn't last year, but I'm hoping we have a few more this year. Like, there weren't any vaccines at this time last year. Yeah. Um, and I think we're approaching, like, 90% vaxxed in the state, so I'm not too worried about it. But I just, I don't know. I guess we'll see. We have hmm. traditionally had a couple of hours of trick-or-treaters in the past, so I'm hoping that we get them this year. How about you? Fun. Is your street all decorated? Is everybody going all out? No, not my street. Um... This is my first year in the suburbs, so I think they seem to make a much bigger deal about Halloween in the suburbs. There's been a lot of talk on the community Facebook page about which houses are decorated and when you can go. And there's a map that people can use to go visit the people who have signed up for trick-or-treating. And apparently a street a couple of blocks over from me, the whole street decorate their houses. So I might have to go have a look tomorrow and see what that's all about. But yeah, because I don't have street access to my place, I don't know if any people will wander off the beaten track to come up here, but I might just get some, you know, just some bite-sized lollies just in case yeah. for the kids if they do come around. Because obviously I'm I'm an emo child, so I am pro-Halloween. Um, so yeah, if they want to knock, they can. It's the best of the holidays because all you have to do is buy junk food and you don't have to cook anything or like prepare and the decorations are all really fun and they're really super reusable. Like... If you have a plastic pumpkin, it will last you for 20 years. It's great. So I love it. It's just so much fun to do. Yeah, I like it too. And I've got loads of random stuff I can just dress up in. I can wear my ghost costume from last night. Lol. Yeah. So I can put on one of my Harry Potter robes or whatever. So That's yeah, amazing. we'll see. I am having friends over tomorrow for a spooky D&D campaign. So that's always fun. That sounds really fun. I can't wait to hear about it next week. It's going to be so great. <laughs> I love living vicariously through your dungeon mastering. I will let you know, but did you have a moment of wonder to share with us this week? I did. So my daughter sorted out her own costume this year. She gave me instructions on like buy me devil costume stuff, which was like the first time I haven't really been involved in helping her pick a costume. Like I've always helped her brainstorm and like I've definitely sewn things for her and I sew things for book week too. So but she was just like, no, I'm just going to be a devil. Have a red dress. I just need this and this. And then I picked up some tights as well that are red and she's excited. So she's done. But my son wants to be Yoshi and he's, he's made himself a Yoshi costume. That's a box, like a cardboard mm-hmm. box. And he scribbled green on it and he's like stuck paper eyes and a paper tongue and like the spikes he's drawn. Like, so he's made himself, but it's not comfortable. Like he wore it for a zoom meeting for a whole hour and he had to keep taking it off and on to like do the dancing. Oh, he needs a real one. So I went to the shops and I bought all of the fabric and I spent today cutting out and putting together basically a pair of pajamas, but it's a real Yoshi costume for him. And I'm really proud of myself because I don't like sewing with knits, but it's all made with knits and it actually looks really cute. 
cute on him and it's really cozy and it's big so we can grow into it and he's over the moon so I feel great and he feels great and I got to make him a costume it's very cute you just sent me a photo and it's adorable <laughs> so yeah I'm pro Yoshi costume I'm just so glad he likes it it makes it worth it so how about you did you have a moment of wonder I guess my moment of wonder is also costume related because we had a work social club quiz last night and it was Halloween themed because obviously and so all the quiz teams you, everyone is encouraged to come in costume and my team ghouls just want to have fun decided to go as ghosts but we wanted to go as sheet ghosts so like the traditional kind of yeah just wear a sheet over your head which it turns out it's not as easy as you'd think but we got some white sheets and we cut some eyes in it and a, a very disturbing mouth but the whole process of doing this so um, we got the sheets and then we cut the holes and stuff at work and so we were just standing around a desk like measuring these sheets over each other like drawing eyes on each other and like feeling for someone's mouth so you could draw a mouth where you were going to cut it and honestly people were just laughing at us and I was actually crouched on the floor laughing at one point because it was just so ridiculous because we were cutting ear holes for the, we all wear glasses and the glasses had to go on the outside and it was just a comedy of errors and it was so funny the wearing of the costume was not even important because the creation process was just so hilarious so yeah that was great oh I'm so happy and you looked very cute in your picture that you sent me I loved it I can put it in the show notes it's so ridiculous <laughs> so good I love look I love a homemade costume and I think the fact that you went out and got a sheet that's huge that's that's a lot of effort that counts we didn't win though the Spice Girls won which is fine the Spice Girls they just went as Spice Girls but you know <gasps> they were three boys who were dressed up as posh and ginger and who was the other baby? Okay, but did they commit to it though? Were they wearing like the mini skirts and the? They sure were mini skirts, heels. They'd even shaved their legs for the occasion. So yeah, I'm a little bit impressed by that. That is a yeah. lot of effort too. I'll give and they them did that. a little a little dance routine. So you know they des well deserved win. My favorite bit was when Posh was going to the loo at a break and he would take his wig off and I'm like yeah that is really you know you're incognito now because you've taken your wig <laughs> off like you're fine. I mean you're still in the little black. Dress, but sure taking the wig off you've got makeup on but sure just a quick question who was your favorite spice girl you had one right did you have a favorite spice girl no i don't think i really did i definitely did who was your favorite ginger ah fair enough it was the amazing hair and the chunky highlights in the front and the mini dress. That thing is awesome. That is still an amazing fashion piece. Like, I mean, I was 11, I think, when their first album came out, or 10 or 11. So, you know, I wouldn't say that I'm satorially sophisticated at that age, but to me, it was the height of fashion. And it was so fun. The 90s were so fun for girls' clothes. Yeah, fun times. Wow. This week, we're reading chapters 20 to 24 through the theme of questing. So did you have a story about questing for us? I do. So I looked up the word because I'm a nerd. So I want to start with a little definition. So we often think of a quest as like something that's hearkening back to medieval times, like the questing knight on a journey to complete a task. So to me, a quest isn't just like achieving a goal. It's also a journey mm -hmm. on a way to achieve a goal. I associate it with making meaning too. So I'm going somewhere, I'm achieving something and I'm making meaning, which means that a quest is a transformative thing. It's not just like a job or a trip. It's something that is like you are different at the end of it. You're different at the mm -hmm. destination because of what you've undergone. Now, I've been questing my whole life, and this is 100% because of my mom. 
mom. Now, my mother is the kind of person who loves to be at home and she loves her comfy chair and she really likes having routines. She does not seem like an adventurous person, but to me, she is a shining example of bravery because time and time again, she would lead us all on the main quest of my childhood, a game we played called Let's Go Find Dad. When I was six, my dad took an industrial mechanic job halfway across the country. Because it was too far away for weekend trips home, he was gone for months at a time. Now, my mom loves my dad more than anything or anyone else in the world, including her comfy chairs and her house and her kids probably. So finally, she bought plane tickets, reasoning that she wasn't working and we were all, there were three of us at the time, we were all under the age of six, so we could go to him. Um, now that was the first time we played Let's Go Find Dad. I was really little and we took a red eye to St. Paul, Minnesota from Oregon. It was so cold when we got mm. there because we went in winter, but I remember we got off of the plane and it was still dark, but as we were leaving the airport and I was like holding my dad's hand because we were finally with my dad, the sun was coming up and it was just frozen and crystalline and beautiful. And I just felt like, here it is. This is magic. Aww. We can actually do this. We went on this huge adventure and we got there in the end. So my mom would do this again and again in my childhood. Let's go find dad, she'd say. And we would pile into the car, plan our stops and go. We went to Nevada. We went to California. We went to Idaho like a million times. We got really good at the bathroom shuffle at rest stops. Like all five of us, at that point there were four of us girls, all five of us girls crammed into a single bathroom, peeing in turns, timing it to see if we could get in and out of a gas station in under five minutes. <laughs> my mom made it seem like such an adventure and she must have been so tired. I didn't find this out till my teens, but she doesn't like driving. She hates pumping her own gas, which we have to do in all of those other states, but she did it and she made it magic for us. Now we went all over the place, like I said, but when I was 10, we embarked on our biggest trip yet, a two day drive to Wyoming and I was the navigator. Mm. So I took my job super seriously and I never let the Atlas out of my sight. Of course, there was no way that they were actually letting a 10 year old choose the route, but they let me think I did, which was such a generous thing to do. And I did learn a lot about how to read maps. That trip was really formative for me because I was like helping be in charge of where we were going. I had to find the common goal, like how do we get there? And what it meant was that I was in charge of saying, we're this many miles from that stop and this is the exit. And you know, really my mom was laying the foundations the whole time for a life lived questing. But yeah, there's something really wonderful about reflecting on the fact that my mother, a woman who loves her home and her community and her routines, willingly and repeatedly took us on adventures to go find my dad. She pushed herself each time and it was never easy. I mean, think about it. She had all of these kids and they weren't even iPads. So <laughs> what did we even do? I don't even know. But she made it fun and she made it seem possible. And I will always be super grateful for that. Oh, that's so nice. I love stories like that. So yeah, that's my... My life oh, and questing. That. My mum's very much an adventure as well. Like she's always running off. Like my grandmother will tell the story of when my mum was like two or three and she they'd go camping all the time and she would just wander off and go make friends with people. Like she was really little and my grandma just stopped worrying about it because she's like, oh, that's just what she does. She wanders off. She always comes home. Like it's fine. So that's just very much who she is. Like she wanders off. Even if she like hurt herself as a six year old, I'm sure she'd be fine. Like she is just such an independent spirit. It's madness. That's amazing. Oh, I think my kids are big sooks, but I kind of like it that way. Oh, they're sweethearts. <laughs> I just like them to know that they can come to me for anything, even if it's silly. Anyway, we should actually talk about this week's reading because it was amazing. Would you like to go through the chapter summaries for us? Sure thing. I have to apologize for the croaky today, like because if we had this quiz night last night, there was a lot of yelling over loud music. So my throat <laughs> is a bit sore, but that's fine. We're going to push on okay. with the chapter summary. So Adam's invitation to go adventuring appeals to Blue and she accepts. 
Upon arrival at Monmouth Manufacturing, she discovers they're going out in a helicopter. What? And it's piloted by Gansey's older sister, Helen. Double what? Mm. And they're looking for the potential courses for the ley line. Ronan and Gansey realise they've heard Blue's voice before, but she covers well. In flight, they discover an enormous crushed shell bird outline in a field. They get, get out to go exploring and they share a hallucinatory tree experience. Gansey feels as if Blue is the final piece of the puzzle. Oh my gosh. I love this section so much. I love Gansey discovering that magic is real. I love Ronan getting in Blue's face and Blue being like, step off, buddy. I love the fact that Adam has no composure because he doesn't like being out of control and flying is super out of control. Mm. Ah, there's so much about it I love. How about you? What stuck out this time? I mean, I also think that's so funny that Adam keeps going on about how much he doesn't like flying and Blue immediately's like, oh, you just have to let go of control. And like, you have just hit the nail on the head. Like, this is why he, he can't do that. He just can't do it. Yeah, I love Ronan getting into Blue's face and the way he gets into her face. But then also Blue saying that is not the way to get me to talk. But yeah. she says it to Gansey, like Gansey controls Ronan. Like he instilled that behavior in Ronan. <laughs> but he does. He reins him in. Yeah. There's a great line where Gansey's basically like, he realized they were all waiting for his verdict on blue and he had to like pass judgment in order to to move forward like yes we're going to enfold her in with us or no she's out this is Mm. done but that yeah that is up to gansey they look to him they trust him whether or not they agree with him or like him at times he is he is in charge that is a great moment of connection as well i thought that moment where he's like picturing what ronan and what adam would say to him and how he wishes that one of them would just make the decision because he's tired and lord knows i felt like that you know when you're always the leader in a group and you're like oh please can someone else just do it i am tired yes just pick the thing and I will be fine with it. Like I d- You don't have the energy to lead, but you can accept anything at that point. <laughs> um, there's so much about this that I wanted to talk about. I think, I, I wonder if Adam likes Blue because he perceives him as coming from a similar enough background that he's not going to feel that same like weird, not jealousy, jealousy that he does for Ronan and Gansey, right? Like go, moving forward and knowing that he and Ronan end up together. Does Adam look at Blue like thinking that they already have the, the foundation for a connection just because because of their shared, I don't know, West Virginia accents. Yeah, there's like a commonality in that kind of childhood experience that he doesn't have with the others, right? Yeah. Um, And I think you see this very much in that both of them, there are lots of references to both of their accents and how they try to clip their accents and change their accents. And they both do that, which I find Mm. is so interesting. Like as soon as Blue, like Blue is not aware of her accent until she is in Gansey's company, right? Then suddenly she's trying to change it. And Adam is very similar in that he really lets his accent roll along when he's with Blue in a way that he never does with the others. Yeah, or when he's upset and he can't control it. Yeah. They're interesting together because they do like each other, right? Like, there's something that connects them. There's a moment of connection between them. Hmm. Like, Blue says on page 191, like, it was like his words had spun tight some sort of thread between them and she felt like she ought to somehow ease the tension. And they're interesting because Blue and Ronan have so much in common, right? Like, they've got a very similar temperament. Like, Gansey describes them both as being, you know, she's so much shorter than Ronan, but she's just as big as him, takes up just as much space. I loved that. Gansey's really good at getting right to the quick of people. He's he's a good judge of character. Yeah. But in some ways, even though Ronan is so fragile, I think he's better able to handle Adam's... Like, I don't know. There's something really prickly and yet really fragile about Adam as well. And Mm. and I, I don't feel like... Blue is properly equipped to handle that. Like, you know, when she talks about on page 228, when Adam 
has had the tree experience and she's just had the tree experience and Adam mm. thinks that she saw what he saw and he's you know there's the line which says he wasn't gentle but Blue didn't think he meant to be rough and then later on his fingers were tight on her arm but she felt him shaking so he's been quite aggressive with her like he's yanked her out of the tree he's yeah. been quite forceful and in a way I don't think Ronan would have put up with that in the way that Blue does I don't know yeah I think that that's right at that moment I thought how would I be reacting to that like would I jerk away like knock it off buddy or you know but I think Blue has that ability like Gansey does to kind of see what's happening Past, yeah and I actually really love this moment where she's so gentle with Adam and his moment of like vulnerability because it happens later when I think in the third book maybe even in the second book where Blue and Gansey start to have feelings for each other and she's really mad and he's like when are you gonna tell me what this is about and she's like I'm not and he's like okay he he accepts it but he already gets past it like oh you're not really mad about this it's something bigger and it's the fact that he's gonna have to die but that's much later but it does remind me that they have that similar thing like I've said before Blue is all of them but better yeah she's the glow up of all three of them definitely um, just on this Blue Adam thing, you know, there's a line when Blue is in the helicopter and she's just been rumbled, like Ronan's be like, uh, excuse me, Blue, why do you know Gansey's name, you know? Mm. And she says, you know, I asked your name and you told me, honestly, it's part of the reason why I wanted to come along today. And I wonder if that bugs Adam. Like, you know, he's asked her to come along on this adventure and it's like his little, you know, way of courting her. And then she says mm. one of the reasons she came is because of Gansey. And like knowing that he has this hang up about being oh, inferior yeah. to Gansey, how does that feel? Like, I feel if I was in his position, that would have riled me. I mean, I don't know. Like, is wanting to go rock climbing and then being invited rock climbing with someone you have a crush on? Does that mean that you're like going because it's of the experience or because of the person? Can it not be both? Yeah, I suppose. But rock climbing is not another boy. That's true. That's true. But it's also a boy that she has shown absolutely zero interest in and has had no real time with and basically told to get wrecked in the first 12 seconds of meeting him. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I have a lot of feelings about Gansey and his, like, quote-unquote condescension. It makes me so angry how rude they are about it. Because to me, Gansey is a natural teacher. Mm. And he just loves explaining things. And he just assumes that everybody is as interested in things as he is. And he's a clarifier, right? So he'll sit there and he'll clarify things. And then Blue gets offended. Like, oh, I know what the UK is. The public school system hasn't failed me that badly. And he's like, oh, I wasn't even implying that. Like, they're reading a lot of condescension into what he's saying, but he's just doing a, I don't know, a palaver kind of thing where he's like, and this is how I say the thing. The thing is this, and this is what I clarify. Yeah, but as someone who works with people like that and is constantly having to deal with that, I can tell you right now it is infuriating and you have very little patience for it. Like, I don't think my colleague tries to be condescending, but he'll just describe things to you that you obviously know, but because he's so into it and it's his, like, special interest subject, he will just rant about it for two hours and you're like, yeah, okay, you're treating me like an idiot and I'm not an idiot. And that's the problem. And I think that's where Blue has the problem as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, Gansey is a teacher. Yes, he has information. Yes, he loves that information. But she doesn't know that about him. She doesn't know him. Yeah. So when you aren't close with someone and they talk to you like that, it's hard not to feel like you're being infantilized or that you're being treated like an idiot. Oh yeah, absolutely. The problem is, is I'm married to somebody who explains things all the time like that. It doesn't bother <laughs> me anymore. The way he explains it is he's used to explaining things to me and I don't often get things that are like his because he works in a pretty specific field. So he's used to just like starting from the beginning and being like, so this is how this particular mm -hmm. system at work works and this is why we're having trouble. And I love that because I'm like, great, I have all the context, but I like the info dump and I also do the info dump. Gansey loves the info dump so uh, like there's some ADHD solidarity there but I just get so upset when people are like he's condescending because I just don't read him as condescending. I read him as somebody who's really excited and maybe not picking up on social cues but I don't read him as condescending. I don't think he's trying to be 
guess what you don't know no condescension doesn't come from a good place Mm. right it doesn't Mm -hmm. come from a kind place not really it comes from a place of superiority and i never read superiority in gansey never like i always read anxiety in him like there's a lot of like overcompensating but that doesn't come from condescension it comes from anxiety and i think the condescension read that blue and adam do on him because i don't think ronan does that that comes from their own insecurities right their own sense of not being worthy because on page 213 which is something i wanted to talk about you've got Adam and Blue talking about Ronan and then, you know, Adam says, Gansey's trying to retrain him. How noble. And Adam says, it makes him feel better about being Gansey. And then she says, you know, sometimes he's very condescending. And then you have this direct juxtaposition to how Gansey behaves because later on he's like, are you listening, Glendower? I'm coming to find you. And he's like Mm. all excited, basically standing in the middle of a clearing with his hands stretched up to the sky and laughing and smiling. Like those two images are not the same person. What they're seeing in Gansey is not the way that he behaves. And it's it's really interesting. Yes, I'm so glad you said that because I've been picking up on that. This reading has been really illuminating for me because I see that he's really trying his very best. It comes from Mm. this place of genuine love. Like his sister's ribbing him about how much he loves Henrietta. He's going to marry the town. But he really does love Henrietta. And I think that like if he had a choice to stay there, he might. He Mm. doesn't really want anything beyond Glendower at this point. Like that is the focus of his quest and folding everything in to it has become the primary driver for what he does so I really love that because at no point do we see Gansey going oh I'm just like better than everyone else he believes that he and his friends are all equal but he thinks he's inferior to them in various ways like he also Mm. has really foundational beliefs like you have to be kind to people which is why he's always getting under Ronan but yeah he's you're right it's not ever coming from a place of I'm going to put people in their place No. And I think, you know, that reaction I described having towards my colleague and this reaction that Adam and Blue have, it does come from personal, your own personal insecurities, right? It's this idea like, oh, someone thinks I'm not enough. Someone thinks I'm not good enough and therefore they're doing this. And that's because you have internalized feelings of your own imposter syndrome, right? Like Adam in particular has a lot of issues. So he he almost wants to read that in Gansey because it makes him feel better about his own life. He's made Gansey feel ashamed of being himself. Adam is... A traumatized individual, right? And he's been very clear about the things that bother him. And he he's kind of like, it's like he's got Blue kind of on side in the way that like they can relate to Gansey's bumbling. But he's got Gansey terrified to say anything in a lot of ways. And so there's that barrier between them that they just can't really tear down. Like Gansey truly loves Adam and would do anything for Adam. I would say Adam is part of Gansey's quest, but Adam's quest is different. Adam's quest is to be the boy with the shaved head at the grocery store. Adam's on his own quest, right? He's on his own personal quest to kind of escape his circumstances and make this life for himself that he thinks is better and that he... It's an aspirational life that if he got it, I don't think he'd actually want it. It's one of those things like, oh, you know, one day when I'm happy, this Mm. is what I'll be. And that's just not it. You know, and I think it's so telling on page 186. He says, Adam wouldn't admit it to anyone, least of all Gansey, but he was tired. And then in five years, no one would care if he'd worked at the trailer factory and he goes into this whole thing. And it's like, yes, no one will care, Adam. So just accept the help that you're being offered. Oh my gosh. No one would care. And no one will care how you got through college, just that you got through. No one will care how you got through Aglenby, just that you got through the only one who cares is you and that is something you have to get over yourself basically and this is just that's his quest to get over himself it needs to be doesn't it um i like that ronan is not actually focusing on doing anything he's just avoiding he's on lots of little side quests that's what i've heard bmw the moon (laughs) 
I loved how that was like a little quest for Noah and Ronan that they're like, yeah, we're gonna build this little yeah. Rat. Let's let's create some mayhem. Let's talk about Noah real quick. Oh yeah, because you know I feel like that was a subtle yeah, ghost. Yeah, that hint. was on my ghost watch. I've got we've got lots of I've put it ghost watch, tree watch, Ronan animal watch. Oh, I've got um, those. Dead three. man walking, and then I've got a new category that I want to introduce. But yeah, let's talk about Noah. I've also got a new category. This is exciting. Okay. Um, yeah, so Noah, I thought there was a ghost watch in that he was helping Ronan build these ramps, but he wasn't actually helping. He was just staring at. And then there's that great line on page 184 where it says he kicked one of the wooden boards off the plywood looking triumphant. And I'm like, does he not move stuff? Is he not actually capable of moving stuff? Because I've not noticed that before, but I guess not, right? He doesn't eat and he just hovers. Yeah. I don't think he's, yeah, I, I think he's mostly corporeal. I mean, at one point later... Blue hugs him, right? Like she cuddles him and she says, You're always cold. So he's he's like a, a minya ghost, right? Like he's corporeal enough. But is that just blue though? Because she's a battery? Oh, I just think it's so fascinating that they don't think it's weird that he doesn't come along. Like if I had a friend who was like in my core friend group and then we were getting in a helicopter to go look at a ley line and they weren't there, or when we come back and we want to go to gelato and they weren't there, I would think that was strange. Yeah. Like he is so often just not present. Yeah, and I actually really love that because we're never given the examples or the reasons and none of them seem to mind or question it too much. So that's the thing on page 185, Noah said, he sent her flowers. How did you know, Adam demanded? more mortified than curious how would noah have known like there is no way he could have known because i'm pretty sure adam did that privately from home yeah this is not something that noah could have known it's like they've just got a little blinders yeah there's magic in that either they don't think about noah when he's not there or he's just get wiped from their memory or something it I reminds don't know. me of in neverwhere you know richard the unrecognizable Mm, yeah, yeah, something like that. All of the people from London below just aren't seen by the people of London above. That It's sort of like Noah is seen to these people, but they don't question it too much because there's no answer. And then when they're in the forest and Gansey calls out Noah because he hears yeah. a voice or something and he thinks Noah's there. And it's like, wow, how would he have gotten in the forest though? Why do you... <laughs> Yeah, and it only takes a moment for him to move <sighs> on from, to something else. But he's like, oh, I thought I heard Noah. And then, mm, so yeah, ghost watch. Yet another one. <laughs> okay, what's your category that you want to introduce? I want to hear about it. I'm introducing Adam and Ronan mm. Watch. So I'm looking for like the little seeds of that. Oh, good. Have you got one? Yeah. So I think for me, the one that really struck me, page 186, when he's, Adam says, you know, Adam had made the decision to come to Aglindley and in his head it was sort of because of Ronan. And he goes into this description of this guy he'd seen at the supermarket who he acknowledges is probably not, wasn't mm. Ronan, but in his head had become Ronan. And he says, you know, confident and careless, shoulders roll back, chin tilted, an emperor's son. And that is how Adam sees Ronan. That is his impression mm. of him. And I just love that. And of course, also page 207, Ronan said, I'm always straight. Adam replied, oh man, that's the biggest lie you've ever told. Which is like, did you love just that. out Ronan to blue? Well, no, because no one knows, right? So it's just like, you could read yeah. that either way. Like, he's a straight talker, right? Ronan is so unpleasant. I actually wanted to talk about his unpleasantness just as a little side thing. I will go back to my added category because I am very excited about it. But um, I wrote that one of Ronan's key factors in the quest is that he moves things along by being unpleasant. Like, he's really skilled at this. <laughs> So Adam was kind of dithering about Blue, so he picks on Adam enough to where Adam's like, fine, I'll make a gesture, and he calls Blue, and Blue's there. Like, Then, you know, a couple sections before, 
Adam and Gansey, or Gansey was remembering he and Adam had had a really big fight, and then it had been superseded by Ronan offending both of them so much that they stopped not talking to each other. So I think Ronan is just outrageous kind of on purpose to move things along when they need to be moved along. Like, he's willing to be, not the scapegoat, but just he just makes himself the center of attention when it needs to be done. Okay, do you want to hear my lame interpretation of yes, that? Yes, tell me. I think he is unpleasant towards Adam in particular, like all those interactions mm-hmm. involve Adam because he wants to push Adam to have a life where he's actually happy yeah. and this is the only way that he thinks he can do it. So like he has this crush on Adam that he won't even acknowledge to himself yeah. at this point. And so he acts this way, you know, he pushes him towards Blue even though he says, you know, I didn't know Midget was your type because that kills him, right? Because he's such a big guy. So that secretly just Yeah, he's the tallest, isn't he? Gansey's the shortest. Yeah, he's like muscly and tall. Yeah, so I just think that is just this classic kind of like, well, I can't have you, so I'm going to force you to be happy in this way. So like he antagonizes him about things that he thinks he needs to work on, which, you know, works because you can't make a a direct contribution to Adam because he won't take it. So the antagonism works quite well. Gansey's like playing chess very carefully around Adam and Ronan's just like taking a baseball bat to all of the other options so that Adam only has the one, you know. pushes him off a cliff being like well there you go oh my gosh mm. i also love that gansey is watching ronan basically come at blue in the helicopter and he's he's remembering ronan listening to the recording over and over and they come to the conclusion at the same time that it was blue's voice on the recorder and i just love that because he knows exactly what ronan's doing and he is still being polite because being respectful is important and so he says you know I, w- I would also like to know but yeah i think ronan takes a hard line because he like gansey likes to get things done he likes to achieve goals mm. that was a real questy moment to that Gansey derived a large part of his pleasure from meeting goals and a large part of that large part was meeting goals efficiently I mean if I had a helicopter I might take it around and do stuff like that I marked that as well I mean yes blue is correct big carbon footprint I do think it's really beautiful that they got to go on a helicopter ride together when in a modern setting like in a current day setting they'd probably just have a drone right oh yeah I suppose you would send a drone so I really love that they actually get to go and see it um can we talk about Helen for like two seconds because I love her Yeah, I think Helen is a great marker of connection. Like, both Helen and that conversation Gansey and Helen have about the plates. (laughs) Like, if that's not connection. Yeah, they get each other really well, and they fight a bit like siblings. I think Gansey also has really bratty little brother qualities, which I like, because I'm an older sister, and I have bratty younger sisters. Sorry, guys. I mean, you're great now, but, like, you had your moments. Um, So I really got that. Are you kidding me that you're not putting in any effort? There is something about Gansey just being like, no, but that's not the right gift. Like, how could you get her the wrong gift? <laughs> if it's not glass, she won't like it. God, this is me, though. I felt that. As soon as I read that, I was like, where's Mrs. Gansey's <laughs> Pinterest board with all of her plates that she likes? That's what Helen needs. I do love that connection between Gansey and his mum, though, as well. Because, mm. you know, there's the line, you know, the Gansey's mother collected rare plates the same obs- with the same obsessive fervor that Gansey collected facts about Glendower. So I love that this kind of, like, obsessiveness runs in the family. It's quite cute. I do think Gansey's quite rude to Helen, which is unusual for Gansey because he's always so mm. polite. But when he says to her, you know, here, make this happen, I'm like, excuse me. Who do you think you are? Like, you're in your sister's helicopter. She's doing you a massive favor and you're like, make this happen. But I think that that's still more realistic because like when you have siblings the thing is you're not like dear sister of mine love of my heart (laughs) you're like oh give him a noogie and you run away like this is the whole relationship between siblings (laughs) is that you're constantly antagonizing the person that you live with because they're your age and you're both stuck together until god knows when that seems normal that like he could just say make that happen and helen's like fine i'm here i agree to this whatever (laughs) oh i love helen so much i love her supercomputer i love her pink fingernails 
she's a lesbian icon i love her she's dope she is i love that she is also like she's got her opinions about gansey and his friends and she's like watching adam and blue and smirking and then she's like when ronan deigns to speak even helen turns to look at him like what i actually really admire this about ronan like he can really dominate a conversation like when he speaks everyone listens like that is actually amazing it's an amazing skill to have like yes he's an antagonistic but meh gets the job done i think it's because he doesn't sprinkle extra words around you know he's not profligate with what he says he just says what he needs to say well, what I loved about this section is like in the helicopter, he says blue, right? And suddenly everyone's looking at him. And then later he says Adam and Adam wanders off to immediately mm. to go to him. Like he just, he uses people's names because it's like he wouldn't ask if it wasn't important. He wouldn't talk to you if it was, didn't matter, right? Because he doesn't waste mm. time. It stood I out to that. me. There's something about the use of their names with each other, but their use of their surnames in reference to each other. I mean, everybody calls Gansey Gansey, but like Parrish and Lynch come up when they're talking about each other to Gansey. Yeah, blue remarks about the fact that they use their last names can i bang on about my new category please do okay i'm calling it the crush that isn't now i picked up on this because gansey has it bad for blue he has it so bad for blue but he can't really admit it right because mm-hmm. he would cut off his own arm before he would let adam be hurt so he's having all these feelings but he doesn't really know what to do about them like on page 196 when he sees them holding hands as they're getting into getting into the helicopter gansey looked back at them his smile complicated when he saw them holding hands like he sees them sitting together and he's like he feels strange like mm-hmm. he'd heard an unpleasant statement and later forgotten everything about the words but the way they'd made him feel he doesn't want blue not to like him and we already know that he's aware of people not liking him and he's okay with it like Welk never warmed to him and he's fine with that like he's not buddy buddy with all of the teachers he tries to be polite but he doesn't need everybody on side but it really bothers him that blue might not be Mm. and then when he's like giving the journal back to her and she gives it back to him he says the journal and Gansey were clearly long acquainted and he wanted her to know this is me the real me like He's got it so bad. <laughs> but he can't admit it because this would not be okay. He could never say, like, I fence you. Never. Because Adam has already said, I like that girl. It's great, though, because you have the other side of the coin. You've got, like, Ronan, and he's described as watching Adam and Blue and being like, there's something raw in his expression and all these things. So I love this. I love these two idiots. I love it. We're going to be on Crush Watch. I think you're completely right, though. Like, Gansey is absolutely already way down the lost river of crushing he likes blue so much he can't stop himself from teasing her he gives her a dumb nickname that's teen boy 100 that is what they do they give you dumb nicknames they tease you about stuff and like at the end the very end of the section we read it was like and blue finally laughed at something gansey said the thing is, like, you know, he gives her the nickname and then Adam says, where are we going? And Gansey goes through his little, this is mm. what we're going to be doing. We're going to go get gelato. And Blue's going to tell us how she knows where the ley line is. And then Blue's going to do this and blue, blue, blue. And I'm like, okay, so you've given her a nickname and then you immediately refer to her by her actual name. So good work there, Gansey. <laughs> they're just a bunch of idiots, but they're our idiots, you know? Yeah. I think my main things about questing were really that Adam is not on the same quest as the rest of them. Yeah, he's on his own quest. I mean, he still wants to find the ley line, but that's very much Gansey's quest, right? Yeah, I mean, he talked about squeezing in the hunt for Glendower. It's not the primary focus the way that it is for Gansey. It's important to him because Gansey's important to him. Like the journal, when when Blue gives him back the journal. Such a good line, that. Um, I wrote it down. Where was it? Page 192. He held the journal very carefully like it was important to him or perhaps like it was important to someone who was important to him. I just love that. I love that Adam can show that care for someone else, you know, because he is so brittle and so volatile. He's hurting. He needs love. 
He really does. And you can see that kind of like in the hand-holding that he and Blue does. I think there's so many little touches and little hand-holding. And like Blue says, it was like he was waiting for her to offer. He just has so starved for connection. So starved yeah. for any kind of like contact like that. It always makes me feel like we fail boys by drilling that into them that they can't be physically affectionate with one another like like as a society not like us personally but like as a society we're failing men by not letting them have those connections and that touching each other hugging each other even holding hands there's something really beautifully intimate about that and for most men it's their like one romantic partner absolutely i mean this is the damage that the patriarchy does right this is why the patriarchy yeah. doesn't just harm women and i saw a tiktok the other day that was like it's so sad that men had to invent golf just to ask each other to go to on a little walk <laughs> they couldn't just do it <laughs> they had to come up with a thing oh, that's so terrible but like i think about my friends like if my mate comes over to watch movies with me you know we'll cuddle up on the couch i've definitely hugged my friends a lot i've definitely held hands with my friends like absolutely even in my house we're in a constant puppy pile and that's me with my kids Kids, but like I know that when Chris comes over part of the joy of Chris coming over is that she's like I will get all of the cuddles because your kids will just sit on me the whole time because <laughs> they do they're just like oh look a person that's better than any other piece of furniture in the house flop as humans we need that contact though like we're not meant to be alone we're not meant to like no man is an island no you become touch starved which is like you know a whole thing it actually affects you cognitively it affects your mental health it makes you sadder and it makes you sicker I mean we need we all need cuddles yeah. The other bit of the quest I wanted to talk about was, you know, mm -hmm. you've got the quest for the ley line, obviously. It's also this quest for, like, magic in general. Like, Blue wants to know magic is real. That's why yeah. she wants to come along. Even though she lives in a house full of psychics. So she already knows that other things are possible. But through that quest, you see this connection and how Gansey's enthusiasm just affects everyone. Like, yeah. when he is happy, they get excited too. They get happy too. Everyone just gets swept away on this joy that Gansey feels. And it's just so sweet. I love that his ebullience is contagious my favorite little thing about that was when adam was sort of giving him the answers like these shells would have come from the coast and glendara would have come from the ghost too and gansy points at him by way mm. of reply because in the last one when they did the reading he didn't point to say in here he used knife hands which mm. is like the way that you politely point so when gansy's letting his guard down he's not as polite he's pointing but he's really himself and i mm. love that I also love how the quest, you know, we again see that the quest isn't just like a little frivolous thing for Gansey. This is a need. Like it's a soul mm. deep thing that just drives him forward. So on page 2010, there's this whole thing about he needed, yeah, he asks Helen to put down the helicopter because he needed to write down the GPS coordinates. Yeah. He needed to take a photo. He needed to sketch and he needed to touch. Like there's need there, right? And that's, Absolutely. yeah, it's different to Adam or Blue even or Ronan because why is Ronan even on this quest really? It's not about Glendower for him at all. No, I do wonder what meaning making is Ronan doing? That's what I wrote down. Like, what do we have textual evidence for? Because, like, we can probably extrapolate based on what we know that Ronan is trying to find answers for himself. Mm. But, like, right now, I feel like the thing we see textually is that he is with Gansey because he and Gansey are brothers, and that is what you do. He's just decided that he is with Gansey, ride or die. And that whatever is happening is happening. And he's right, it is starting. But we also know textually that Ronan is not what he seems to be, right? We don't really yeah. know what Ronan is. Like, he's the raven boy who is more raven than the others. And there are all these descriptions and we see all these dehumanizing elements, you know, that there was, again, reference to in this section as well. So there's this, like, little seeding that he is, you know, and when Kala asks him, what are you? He doesn't reply. He just has an empty yeah. smile. Like, he knows there's something different about him. We as the readers know that there's something up with Ronan. But 
but we don't know what it is. Yeah, we mostly see it as, like, we're meant to see it as trauma. Like, he's just a really traumatized kid. There's the implied suicide attempt. There's the tattoo. Yep, the drinking, the antisocial behavior. And the fact that, you know, even in the text he's described as having grown his beard out a little bit, the kind of person that you'd hide your babies and purses from. (laughs) Yeah. Just so funny to me. Big guys with beards, are they that scary? I don't know. I don't think so. But I love that because earlier today I was reading a Sandman comic and there was a thing in there about an unkindness of ravens being mm. the group name for ravens. I'm like, oh my gosh, these kids, like they're this little group, the gangsy, an unkindness of ravens. Because, <laughs> you know, that if you think about Ronan, he is unkind. He's brutal. He's not brutally honest in the way that's like negging. He's just brutally honest in the way that's like, yeah, I'm going to say the thing and you don't have to like it, but it will be true. It's like more important to be true or to be right than it is to be kind for him. Mm. I do love that Adam has picked up on the fact that Blue and Gansey are similar and that they just want to know that magic is real and they get to find it. That's the beautiful thing. Like the pool of fish where Gansey's like, tell me what color they were. Tell me they weren't red. And then he moves his hand away and they are red and time has stopped for them. Like so much happens at the edge of these woods. And they're together in that moment. It's Blue and Gansey. No one else is there for that moment when they get their little magic reveal, right? And it's Adam and Ronan who go to the tree. Yeah. That was a tree watch moment where Blue was describing being in the tree and she's like, I know it's warm from like the fungus or whatever and the decay, but it just feels like it's got a pulse like me. It's a person. Yeah, it's a lot of tree watch. A lot of trees. not climb into a tree. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, thank you. Oh, there is no way. Not only do I not want to be in the tree, but there's creepy crawlies in there that I'm not interested in. I do not like earwigs and they're all over the forest, okay? I do not want that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, okay. And spiders and snakes. Oh, yeah, snakes would love that little hollow in that tree. Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. That's full of brown snakes. We're not getting in there. Do not go into the tree. In Australia, if you see a lightning struck tree, that is great for you to have seen it. Don't go into it. Thank you. Um, I know that Adam's vision is described later, and I've never been able to keep track of how much of them actually come true. Like, we know that Blue's vision is an actual echo of the future. Yeah. But is Adam's, or is it, is it an alternate timeline? We also know that Gansey's isn't quite the way. It doesn't play out quite the way. No, I I think there's a little bit of, uh, with Adam and Gansey, I think what happens is there's a little bit of their own kind of anxiety that bleeds into their vision. Like, you know, Mm. Adam in this section says, I would never do that to him. But you know there's a part of him that would. I think that's what scares him. Is it just that they're being shown what they need to be shown in order to move on? I think so, to propel them forwards on the quest but we'll come back to that we'll keep track of that we'll try yeah. to um i think there's something about Gansey as king arthur like i've got some arthurian vibes off him in this section you know like yeah. blue describes him as a king in his castle and that bit where she says on page 228 he was himself but he was something else too and then something more you know there's something about that kind of like the arthurian quest the lady in the lake the sword all that stuff you know the once yeah. and future king like if that's not Gansey, yeah 100% I love this he's trying to be kingly as well like he's trying to live up to what he considers his values I went off on a big tangent this week and read up on Owain Glinder actual Owen Glendower studied a bunch of different sources and read some of the poetry about his castle done by the poet in residence at the time <laughs> um there's a great episode of You're Dead to Me which is like a comedy history podcast 
by the same historian who basically writes it for and runs horrible histories, but it's for adults, so it's great. The thing I really found interesting about Owen Glinder is that he he started this revolution when he was in his like 50s. This wasn't like a young man doing this, but he actually had this really like steady political life where he had like a wife and a family and a nice house and like he sort of did all of this stuff and was this upstanding citizen for a really long time and then just sort of got to a point where things were happening he's like right well I might as well I've got a claim to it so he did it and I thought it was really interesting to put that into perspective with Gansey who is somebody who feels very hemmed in by what mm. he's meant to be doing and is searching for meaning desperate for meaning desperate to make something of his second life that he's been given but he doesn't really know what to do or how to do it but yeah oh man I've been getting heaps into Earth Ariana lately and it's been really fun <laughs> It's good. It's great. Like, you just get lost in it, right? Like, I just so desperately want to believe. Like, that's the thing. Whenever I read any kind of Arthurian stuff, I'm like, man, I just yeah. want this to be real. That is the dream, right? That there is somebody who will wake up and save you. Even if it's just like, yes, magic used to be real and now it's not because we, you know, got too smart for our own good or whatever. That's fine. I will accept that. But I would just love that if that stuff was, like, genuine. I would love if dragons were real. Like, or we've got Tanifa here in New Zealand. I would love that if Tanifa was a real thing like that is dope i feel that so much i don't think i ever really believed in fairies but boy i wanted to i'm not saying now that i would ever step into a fairy ring but maybe when i was like in my teens 100 percent. if you had shown me the unsealy or the sealy courts i would have been through in a flash come away human child absolutely You're like, yep, off i go take me with you I think it's wanting to know about the unknown, wanting to know what could be. Sometimes it's hard to think that our brains are able to conceive of so much, but like so limited in what we can actually experience and perceive. I think for me, it's very similar to what Gansey's doing. Like it's the meaning making. It's like being like, this has to mm. mean something. And as soon as you have magic involved, it becomes so much bigger than mm. you, right? So it becomes like this thing and you'll, you can find your place in it. Whereas I think normal everyday life, it's so much harder to find yeah. meaning. Like, to make my life matter. Because on the great scale of things, it doesn't, right? And, like, yep. death comes for all of us. And what's your life going to amount to? Well, it's, chat. But it's true, right? <laughs> this is the way I cope with it, which is that I decide that I'm just going to contribute to the ongoing chain of love, right? I was loved, therefore I will love. And the people that I love will then love too. That's, like, the only thing that I really mm. get to have as a legacy in any sort of appreciable long-term way. So I think that's our, our one duty or whatever, the only way to make magic really keep going is to just carry on with that but it's hard it's hard because we we are the only I guess subjective experience we have so wanting to matter in the grand scheme of things and knowing we won't that sucks dude that's rough I love that idea that you know you love because you were loved and that's what you pass on it's this idea like the only pure magic is love which is you know great I mean that's kind of what it is right like every time we reach out even though it's hard for us it has been the right thing and I've never regretted it you know yeah that's what Gansey's trying to do. Yes, and I think this is one of the reasons I love him so much is because he, he loves what he loves and he loves it so fearlessly. But he still wants to matter and he still wants to take care of everybody. Hashtag relatable. He's mm-hmm. the best. Um, so we had the Roan Animal Watch, which was oh, yeah. um, <clears throat> comparing him to a pit bull, the kind of pit bull that makes evening news. And I like that yeah. Blue immediately said, I know some really nice pit bulls. That's good. Represent the pit bulls. They're not bad animals. They're great little doggos. I think also the description of him marking his territory is also animal watch. I do think it's funny because it is caves water, right? Like, technically. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, still. if it's anyone's, it's Ronan's. We just don't know that yet. 
and tree watch i think the fact that she pulls away from adam to go stand by the beech tree where gansey was like and she describes the beech tree like her beech tree and that it's oddly comforting so mm-hmm. more tree watch the other one was that it was hard to imagine being intimidated when surrounded by a tree no matter how strange the forest was around them again to your point earwigs snakes creepy crawlies don't put me in that tree i also thought this was kind of a sideways tree watch you can tell me what you think so when gansey's talking about not being able to fly he seemed to lack the important ability to orient himself vertically as well as horizontally which led to disagreements involving trees and i wrote blue i mean that's fair i did mark that as tree watch as well (laughs) i thought that was really funny because like disagreements involving trees well i can think of one in your helicopter (laughs) right now that you disagree with fairly regularly in your very short acquaintanceship absolutely and um dead man walking safe as life said twice by gansey i could not get over how much gansey was like enamored of blue and couldn't admit it it was so good the writing is so lush Mm. did you have anything else one other thing that we haven't discussed yet is just when Adam remarks that Ronan didn't need physics, he could intimidate even a piece of plywood into doing what he wanted. Because as we find mm. out later, Ronan actually doesn't need physics. Like if he wanted to drive that BMW to the moon, theoretically, he could do that. Legit, like this is yeah. just literally true. He does not need physics. I also just love that like he could intimidate plywood, but Noah, the actual ghost, is just standing there like holding his hands apart. <laughs> And again, no one thinks it weird that he just doesn't contribute. Okay, fine, guys. Sure. He's just their little weird, quiet friend. I love it. I'm here for it. I love Noah. I love him too. And I love that they don't question it. So they all love Noah without really being obsessed with Noah and the way that they're obsessed with each Mm. other. Like no one is sitting there teasing out Noah's motivations or like, skirting around topics with Noah or Gansy learns the thing about him like oh he doesn't have to go check out on Ronan again that's it that's just in his head Noah works differently in their brains and I kind of love that fascinating well did you have any in-depth marginalia this week I did I have one so on page 189 Blue has finally been called by Adam what are you doing today she said it very naturally like it was the most logical thing in the world for them to have a conversation on the phone like they were already friends so Adam is called Blue, partly to shock Ronan and partly to invite her exploring. He's been really nervous about this, but he kind of got like nagged into it from Ronan's teasing. Now, the way that I think it connects back to the theme is that Blue is determined to help out the Raven Boys. Like she is going to join them on their quest. So she's taking this opportunity. Like she's putting herself out there and saying, yeah, what's going on? Um, and I think Adam wants to make a connection with her. Like I think he really wants unconditional love. Everything else feels conditional. So he's trying to find someone that he likes that he can care about that maybe isn't Gansey adjacent. What it reminds me of is Kala earlier in the text hating small talk and you because you also don't like small talk. (laughs) But I like small talk and the reason I like it is because I like a social script and I think also for some people small talk is like when you're about to go swimming and you kind of stick your foot in and you're like is it too cold? Am I going to freeze if I go in there? I mean, you don't want to jump in a lake that's like eight degrees, right? <laughs> this is just not good. You, you actually want to know what you're getting into. But then there are some days where it's like really hot out and you just want to jump in. You don't care how cold it is. So depending on the person, I think small talk can be very useful because it can kind of get you in and adjust as you go. And then they're comfortable. But then there are other people that you just pretend that, you know, you're friends. The way that I think small talk works the best, the example I would have for you is like long queues when you're queuing up for something and you end up mm. becoming friends with the people in the queue. You don't start out knowing each other's life stories. You do start out with small talk, Mm. but then you immediately become bonded over the fact that you're both waiting in line for the show to start. So it also reminded me of the the short story Kindred Spirits by Rainbow Roll, which is about two kids who are lining up for The Force Awakens, and it's great. 
um, the way that I'm going to take this moving forward, I am not abandoning small talk, sorry. <laughs> I think it helps to facilitate communication in depth with people who aren't ready to go deep right away. I do love just jumping in, but I also think that it has a place. And I think it's important. And sometimes you do have to just pretend that you are best friends with that person already and that it's fine. But sometimes it does help to sort of do the niceties. Just got to feel out the person. Nice. How about you? Do you have an in-depth marginalia? Sure. So mine's on page 223 and it's when they're in the forest and they've just gone to follow the little stream up and um blue it's blue section and she says well she observes she recognized the strange happiness that came from loving something without knowing why you did the strange happiness that was sometimes so big that it felt like sadness so the context for this is this is Gansey is now kneeling over the pool with the improbable fish and he's just looked up at her and she's seen this moment where he's realized that magic is real right so she's seen that he really loves this place they're in in terms of our theme of questing i think this is just that moment of discovery you know like you observe the quest is not just the destination it's the journey it's the transformation you go in so like this is the long search part where they found something along the way this is the confirmation of magic being real um and it also really rings true as a connection moment for me as well because it's when you recognize your own emotions in someone else like blue is recognizing herself and gansey and how that shared experience bonds you right it actually reminded me of a conversation i had about poetry earlier in the week a friend of mine was explaining that they just didn't get poetry didn't understand it and i was like trying to say that that's just like all art not all of it is going to connect to you but one day something will and it will take your breath away and it's not really that there's anything to understand it's about how it makes you feel and Mm -hmm. how do you convey that how do you explain that to someone else you can't really do it and I think about the moments that I've been moved by art or by poetry or by music you know it's that kind of like swoop in the stomach a big drop on a roller coaster it's the moment of falling in love you know that sensation Mm. and how it burns through you and I think the truest joy for me is when I'm reading something and I have that feeling and I know that I'm going to have this text with me for the rest of my life and that feeling will be forever but also I'm absolutely devastated at the same time because it's going to end like this book is going to end and I'm never going to be able to experience this again for the first time so yes you can come back to it and I love that I can do that but there's something magic in that really first connection and something sad about that ending as well and there's this line in the 2014 film Troy where Achilles says to Briseis you know the gods envy us they envy us because we're mortal because any moment may be our last everything is more beautiful because we're doomed and that's how I feel about the things that I love because it's beautiful because it has an ending but then we get to do things like this pod and I get to revisit the stuff that I love and give it new meanings and that's amazing too it's transformation right everything has scope for transformation both the text and of ourselves so yeah I think going forward I'm just called to love the things that I love and not be ashamed of it like Gansey is so lit up by his love and his passions and it's so beautiful I want to see that in others and I want to see that in myself Hmm, I love that I think that one of the best things about us doing this pod week in and week out is that we both love books like this about the same yeah and I don't think I know anybody else who feels quite like this about books in the way that I do like you are it of all the people I know and I know a lot of people who love books but I feel like you're one of the few who can actually like when something guts me you're like oh yeah yep I get it I see it yeah it's yeah it's that feeling like it's ripped your heart out and you're grateful for the privilege but also you're crying on the floor (laughs) yes yes all the feels Oh, that was super beautiful. And I also love that scene. That was one of my, one of my, I almost picked that, but then I was like, no, I'm going to go for small talk in defense of small talk. (laughs) You're always defending small talk. Listen, I'm a chatty person. I love, well, I was in the before times. One of my favorite things is like befriending people's babies and cues. That's the best. I love waving to a baby and all kids love me because I have amazing mermaid hair. So 
Um, do you have a character you want to spotlight? Yeah, so weirdly, I'm going to spotlight Ronan this week. Because <laughs> he, he, he doesn't have a voice in this section. And this kind of bugs me. I think it's yeah. so interesting that everyone has a, a voice, but he doesn't. And everyone talks about him. But he's... He, we don't really know what his motivation is. We don't really know why he does the things that he does. He doesn't speak for himself. He's so sparing with his words and he's so antagonistic, but there's just so much going on a bit below the surface that we just don't know. And it's hard yeah. when you don't have the opportunity to, to speak for yourself, right? So, yeah, I just wanted to spotlight him because it really bugged me that he didn't get to have a say. Oh, that's beautiful. Poor Ronan. He's the most opaque of all the characters, so I love that you are going so hard in decoding him. But you just seem to really get him in a way that, like, you make him make sense for me, and I appreciate that. Oh, he's just that. my ride or die. Do kids still say that? I don't know. I'm old now. <laughs> I, look, let's lean into it. Um, ride or die. Yes, that's how I feel about my spotlight, which is Gansy. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're pretty predictable at this point. Look, I just wanted to, to give a shout out to all of the kids out there who info dump and get treated mm. badly because of it. And as a person who info dumps and has always been that way, I really want to be able to be the receptacle for other people's info dumps. Like I want people to be excited to me about their thing because I want to show them that I care. And sometimes the best way to do that is to just be interested in what they're doing. So anyway, for Gansey, I just like, he's a natural teacher. He's not really stingy. He's not really lofty. He just really loves sharing. And I love that about him because he's, he's just so generous. Mm. And I think that's fantastic. I love that. Yeah, it comes from a good place. So yeah, it's good that you recognize that. He's just excited. I mean, he's a bit silly, but like, we're all silly. Unfairly maligned for being consenting, I think, but yeah. And I think Ronan is unfairly maligned as being aggressive when he's really just protective. I agree. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for standing up for him. Look, I don't approve of his methods, but I understand where he's coming from. And I, I can see why a lot more clearly now. When I first read these books, I was like, what is this guy's deal? I deploy the same methods, so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I love you. You're great. The difference is Ronan can back it up because he's big and intimidating. That's why I had to take up boxing because I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to sort this out. But see, you're tall and you wear boots. So. And I wear black all the time, which does help. Mm. And keeps you warm. Mm. Well, next week we'll be reading chapters 25 to 29 through the theme of doubt. Mm, this should be a good one. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. I'm good, a bit sad because I'm pretty sure we're going to get more Welk next week, though. Blurg. But hopefully more Ronan to balance it out. Yeah, hopefully. Give him a voice. Yeah, let's hear from him. Hear his side of the story. Exactly. Jen, this was amazing. Thank you so much for potting today. So good. Thank you so much for your patience and getting started today. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Well, look forward to chatting next week. All right, I'll see you then. See ya. Thanks for joining us today. Marginalia Pod is written, edited, and produced by us, Gen D and Gen V, with additional editing and production support by Simon B. If you enjoyed it, we'd love if you'd subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. Your support means the world to us. We'd also love to hear from you. You can email us at hello at marginaliapod.com. Our music is by Scott Buckley. Many of the things we've mentioned are in the show notes, or you can find out more about us and the podcast at marginaliapod.com.